social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kerpin. Because if you're social, then you really should be tweeting less. If you're social, then you really could be leading less. You can't have what people say it's so mysterious. Because you're social, you're a leader and you're serious. Now, Carrie Kerpin. Welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I'm Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today I have with me Molly DeMag, who is the customer service social media head at AT&T. Molly is a veteran at AT&T and has worked within the organization for over 20 years in a number of different roles. So she's really got a lot of experience to share with us today and, and a very interesting journey um, into her career in social. Currently, she oversees the entire customer service team on social and at home. She's also a mom of two. So for all of us social ladies out there who are working moms and and doing this every single day, we are excited to talk to Molly today and welcome. Thank you. So excited to have you here today, Molly. So you've been with AT&T for a really, really long time. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got your kind of start in your career and and how your career uh, evolved over time? Sure. So yeah, I've been with AT&T for 20 years now and Always uh, to some capacity with customer service. I started out as a customer service rep, worked my way up in the customer service organization, um, had our first email team for AT&T Wireless, uh, email customer service team. And then that evolved into when we built out our online customer service site for customers to manage their account. And I oversaw that for several years, and it was in... 2009 that um, the request had come down from leadership to have a social media customer service team created, and I was asked to um, take the, the lead on the operation side for that. And so it's, this August will be about five, it'll be five years that we've had our social media customer service team together. Oh, wow. So having a dedicated social media customer service team for five years is pretty good, actually. That, that, that's pretty innovative. That's exciting for AT&T. Yep, it's great. That's awesome. So, okay, so you've really seen customer service evolve over time since you were one of the first as you transitioned to email and online customer service and then to social media. Have you seen that customers are are demanding faster response times? Like, how? tell me about that evolution. Definitely. I mean, the customers, they, they don't want to call. They don't want to be on hold. They want, you know, immediate answers to their questions and especially now with, you know, everybody having smartphones and having access to, you know, whether it be the, the web or their social media channels through their smartphones, everybody's looking for answers to their questions and they want, you know, want answers in media. When they're posting on social media, they really expect an answer, you know, really within 15 minutes or less. And that we've, we've definitely seen that evolve over time is, you know, when we first were responding uh, five years ago, it, you know, the response time wasn't expected to be as, as fast as that, but we're just seeing it um, definitely more and more people are expecting a much faster response time. It's so interesting that you started as a customer service rep and then grew into this role. Uh, do you have any 
thoughts in terms of what it took to grow in that level? If you're growing within an organization and you're starting kind of at, a, at an entry-level space and then you're growing to lead a team um, in a pretty innovative category, how did you do it? What, what type of advice do you have for women who are growing within an organization like that? So for me and for a lot of my, my peers I see that, you know, have gone into management roles, Starting as, as a customer service rep was really helpful because you, you understand the basics and understand exactly what they're going through, and that's really helped me um, progress and make the decisions that need to be made as a manager uh, because, you know, understanding that customer experience and, you know, what not just what the customer is going through but also what the, the reps go through is really important. I think it's um, having that understanding really helps make decisions as you, you know, in all of the positions that you could be in within the, co- within the company. Um, and then just being open to learning about new, you know, new, new things and not from the beginning, one of the things that I was always focused on was looking at, you know, what is it that possibly is hurting the customer experience or, you know, driving, driving calls or whatever it may be and always having that mentality of looking at this needs to change, you know, making sure we're working with the right people to have changes made and not just sitting back and saying, oh, well, that's just the way it is and we just need to continue doing it that way. So it sounds like really being able to start out by putting yourself in the shoes of the people who you would be managing and then also being unafraid to push forward for change are two, two key examples of, of what you would recommend. Exactly, yes. That's great. I actually think everyone in any industry should try customer service and should start out in customer service because at the end of the day, we're all dealing with customers. Anyone who works in business deals with customers in some capacity. And I think it's just such a critical skill to understand. Definitely. So what do you think in, in a career going into customer service and looking at how uh, how customer service focused social is nowadays, what are the key skill sets that you really need to succeed in that area? So if, if in referring to social media customer service, I mean, they, I think that everybody needs to have a really good understanding of customer service to begin with. Yes. Um, that, you know, needs to be a base of understanding. Um, and looking at, you know, and we're, we've been doing a lot of hiring on our side, too, and it's looking at everybody should have that basic understanding of social. And even if they don't, you know, know it intimately inside and out, there's so many resources out there to try to get a better understanding of the different social media platforms and the best way to, to use them depending on what way you're interacting with the customers. I think it's, you know, important for them to at least have that basic understanding. And also being you know, creative um, and being able to be creative in having an engaging conversation with the customers mm-hmm. and not sounding robotic. And it's, I know that's one of the, the problems that coming from, a, from brand, you know, some big brands may have that problem where you don't want to, you know, you need to sound human and you want to, the customers to respond back to you and know that, you know, there is a human on the other side. Having good writing skills is really important. Um, you know, everything is in writing and social and um, need to make sure that you have good writing skills. And just being flexible, everything is changing so quickly. And, you know, at one point you think you, it's like, okay, we're, we're good. We're, we've got this ready to go and, you know, we've mastered this. Everything changes. And you just need to be flexible and, you know, be ready to, to be able to adapt to those changes quickly. 
So it sounds like the skill set for someone in customer service and social might be even a little bit different from from a standard customer service role. I mean, based on some of the things that you're describing, it it sounds like it's a a, more of a specialized skill set there. It is. We um, on our side, we hire managers, and mm-hmm. we do look at it from a different, a little bit of a different skill set than just a standard um, customer service um, agent. And you know, we do. It's important for them to not just understand and know how to help the customer with their customer service issue, but they have to have those really good decision-making skills, the good writing skills, and how to engage with them through social. And you talked about the need to sound human, right? Which is which is of course, what we all aim to do, right? So it's all, all within our, our conversations and social, but you are limited, especially on certain networks, to a limited number of, of characters. And when you're talking um, to customers who have account numbers or, you know, very specific requests, how do you do that? How do you maintain, you know, a non-robotic response while still maintaining, you know, the the quick wit of of Twitter, for instance? So it's something that we, we're always working on with the team, um, going through, you know, additional training, getting reminders out. We partner really closely with our corporate communications team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, both teams go through the similar training, and we are consistently looking at responses and, and working with our team members on, you know, and highlighting what went well with that response, what could we have done, you know, even better. Um, and just, you know, in certain circumstances, it's, you know, because they have to kind of, they have to think on their feet, but they have to be within our boundaries that we have for legal and privacy and everything. Yes. Um, so it's, and it's not easy. Plus, we're, we're measuring them on how fast they're responding to the customer. So um, it's, it, there's, you know, initial training that they go through, and then we're continually working with the teams um, on a daily basis and making sure we're really highlighting those creative responses. And it makes, you know, the other team members, you know, kind of think a little bit about, oh, well, that's something, you know, by keying off of a one word and then the customer's um, post, you know, to kind of put a spin on it and make it a little bit more playful. And then for the things that are you know, account-specific, private, we do take them offline. Um, yes. So we go into private or direct message through Twitter, um, through Facebook. Um, at this point, we're having them send an email. And then if it is account-specific, at this point, we are getting them, if necessary, into a, a phone call to in order to do all the proper verification. So it sounds like you take them into a private message to then address the problem so you, yeah. can, you can handle those things. So when you're dealing in, in customer care, are you only answering, you're doing the community management for that, are you only answering customer care-related questions or are you responding on behalf of the brand as a whole? Is it, is it segmented between corporate communications and um, customer care? It is. So, but we're, we're, you know, we're, we work together, and okay. basically we, man- we manage and monitor all of our, um, like, the Facebook pages and Twitter accounts together. And there are some cases where it's, it's very clear it's a customer service issue. We take those. And then anything that is more of a policy-related, corporate communications, we'll, we'll take those issues. Um, but all of the, the team members are empowered, you know, to answer our customer questions and make sure that we you know, give a, a good customer experience. So is, are you listening across all of the different networks, and are you, are you answering questions that are directed directly to you, or are you looking for general conversation around AT&T? 
We are doing all of that. Wow. Across all of them. And we are, you know, we have been staffing up even more to get to more of the, just the mentions not coming directly to us. So, but we, we are monitoring everything. Um, and of course, the primary activity we're getting is from Twitter and Facebook. You know, there are a lot of blogs out there that, mm-hmm. that we monitor and um, respond to when appropriate. And then we have our own AT&T community forums, and then we also monitor other forums where there's conversations taking place about AT&T and AT&T products. And do you monitor and respond to all of it? So for the um, for Twitter and Facebook, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and within the community, um, with our within our own community, we respond to the questions that cannot be answered by the community. Um, and then we also respond to the questions that have not been answered by the community within 24 hours. And then in the other communities that are not owned by AT&T, it depends on the community. There's different rules in, in the communities on, you know, who can participate. And when it's appropriate, we do um, answer questions there. But there are that is what part of the area that right now we're working on um, some additional um, strategy around, you know, getting involved in some of the third-party communities more this year. You mentioned when the community responds and and answers other people within the community. Do you find that that happens a lot, that generally the community is able to kind of either self-correct or answer its own questions? It is very common in our community. We have an influencer program, and we have, you know, several influencers who are in the you know, they're on there very frequently answering questions, and they're very eager to answer those questions and to help their peers. Oh, that's really cool. What makes an AT&T influencer? What makes somebody in that space? Is it somebody who's influential online and really loves AT&T, or is it, is it how do you select that type of person? In our community, it's based on um, their, um, their amount of posts that they have and the answers that they're giving, and then... We usually go through on an annual basis and, and either, you know, invite existing people to stay on as an influencer or, um, you know, extend the invite to additional influencers. And, you know, we're always looking and encouraging those influencers because they're, you know, answering a lot of the questions for us, and really, which really helps. And it's, um, you know, they're great, a great brand advocate as well. That's great. So tell me a little bit about how you structure your staff for social. So are you responding 24-7? What is it like and how many people? So currently, and we just recently went through a few org changes, and I had all the product lines under me before, and um, recently that's changed, and I just I only have mobility under me now. And okay. so the, the other product lines are now under other um, directors and AVPs, so that just happened recently. Um, but we are, we just recently went to our extended hours, um, and we're staffed from 6 a.m. to 1 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. Central Time. Wow. And then we'll soon be extending that to, to 1 a.m. Central Time, Saturday and Sunday, and we're looking closely at, you know, what, what would it take to, to go to the 24-7 staffing. Wow. And so how many people are working on social and customer care for AT&T? So if, if you combine all of our product lines together, um, we currently have about 150 people wow. with all of the product lines. Wow. And so how are you 
measuring the success? I, I know before you mentioned response time. Is that primarily how you're looking at it? That's that's one of our measurements, um, but a lot of our other measurements all roll up under different customer satisfaction metrics, mm-hmm. and those are the, the primary metrics right now that we're using to, to measure the success. We know that that initial time to respond to our customers, and of course, resolving the issue, are you know two of the, the number one drivers um, for the you know satisfaction, and so... Um, we're always looking at and evolving our metrics. You know, it's the tools are within social are not as mature as you know as you see in the other parts of the company. Of course, and so we're um, consistently working with our vendors on getting uh, additional measurements that we can use um, for the you know for the team, and, and so that's an ongoing project. And do you guys use tools to um, for the incoming messaging when you get all of these, all of your listening, and you direct some to corporate communications and you direct some to customer care? Is there a tool that you love that you use? Have you been using anything that's been really great? So we have been using Salesforce Radiant Six for that, okay. and um, we use that for our response as well. Okay. Um, so we actually, it's we have a customized version of it for our response, where all of our tracking takes place on who owns the case. You know, if you need to route it to either another team or internally within the team, it can be routed. Looking at the you know the status of of the case itself, and then um, clearly noting you know what what the issue was and getting that reporting um, is we all have we have that all from Salesforce Service Cloud with our customized version that's been built for us. That's great. Yeah. I find, you know, every time I talk to different brands, I hear lots of different tools and, and different levels and different ways they're using it. So I always, I always love to ask that question because I think it, it gives um, gives listeners really a good understanding of different tools to try. So that's, that's great. Uh, in terms of thinking about what's said publicly about AT&T by the customers, what do you do when there's a challenge that you feel like there must be challenges that you feel like you can't fix, right? Like, so somebody has a bad service area or somebody has something along those lines and, and it's very difficult to fix. How do you handle that? So in, in those situations, it's, you know, we, we want to acknowledge and, and respond to everybody, no matter mm-hmm. what their comment is or their, you know, their issue in, in, in most cases. And, um, you know, and this is part of where we we work really closely with corporate communications on determining you know what what will be said and um, what can we say. And you know, in in social, we want to respond to as many things publicly with as much information as possible for everybody else to be able to consume that that information as well. Um, if there are situations that it just isn't something that we you know we can put in writing or in some situations, you know, we may not have, you know, an answer necessarily. Um, We will, you know, if it is, let's say, for example, network-related, we'll take them offline and open up cases and and make sure that um, our network team is aware of the issue. We look to see if there's a known issue and, you know, educate them on that. We make sure they, with the network issues, we make sure they know about the Mark the Spot app 
where they can report any problems that they may be having. That's right. You told me about the Mark yes. the Spot app. I love that. That's the one I have to use in Penn Station. That was my okay. big. That was my big thing. I yes. said I got to use that for Penn Station because I know you'll do it. So it's yes. really, really yes. good. So it's and it's really you know and there are some situations that it just you know it doesn't matter what you're going to be able to tell the customer that you know we we may not unfortunately be able to make them happy, but it's acknowledging their issue, you know, being sympathetic and making sure that, you know, we're, we're giving them the, the details that we have and that we can share and being transparent. And that's one of the things that we've really strived to, to be, you know, it, since the beginning and trying to just be there and, and be more open to the customers. Awesome. So, I guess normally it depends on, on who I'm talking to. I often ask, you know, what's the future of social media? But for you, I think I want to know where you see customer service going, um, just from a, especially in the social space. Like, how do you, what's next? What do you see evolving? Do you think everyone will be on 24 7? What, what do you think is going to happen with social media and customer care? I think that we'll definitely see that push towards 24 7. I mean, we're already starting to see it. I think there's going to be a, a lot more use of video type support. Um, you know, either one way or two way, and um, also, I think we're going to see more and more of where we have influencers in you know situations like that, where where the you know, and that's we know that um, peers trust their peers for, for answers more than they trust trust brands, and I think we're going to see those influencer programs growing even more, and our customers relying on their peers as much as possible for answers and. We also want to promote that content that has been created by the customers because it is so well-received, and we've already started doing that. And I, I see that going to another level where it's, you know, even shared even more widely throughout our AT&T.com site as well as through social media. I love that. So a transition to video and then the empowerment of influencers, I think, is a very interesting and bold customer care prediction. I love that. <laughs> that is great. Awesome. I think that that's really interesting. And it makes a lot of sense, too, because you're talking about, you know, really taking advice from users versus the, the company themselves. And I, I think that's so smart. No wonder you've been in customer care for such a long time. It's really wonderful. Uh, so tell me about um, you personally. Now, Working in social media, as somebody who works in it every day, I know for me, a lot of times I, I get home and I want to shut it off. So tell me about your your personal use of social. Do you use it more or less because you work in social media? I think I use it more because, I, I you know, I definitely want to make sure I understand um, everything. And But I do use um, my, my prim- primary um, platforms that I use personally are um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, LinkedIn and Pinterest are the, the main ones. And I even, I'm the same way sometimes after work where I don't want to have anything to do with it, but I do, you know, I use it a lot personally for keeping in touch with friends and family that are, you know, either near, you know, far away or nearby that I just haven't seen in a while that I can, you know, kind of keep up on, on what they're doing and see pictures of the kids and stuff. Um, Twitter, I mainly use just for, for business and use it to really consider a lot of information about social media, social yep. media customer service, customer experience. I think it's a great tool to be able to really, you know, see, you know, different articles and learn about different webinars. Um, and it's it definitely is, I think 
Twitter may be the, the platform that I see people kind of not understanding the most, and they're like, well, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And mm-hmm. I think once you're out there and you, you know, are following the people or companies of your interest, there's so much that you can learn. And, um, and, and I think, and I am always trying to educate my peers on that too. I, yeah, <laughs> I think it's the most underrated, actually. Even though it's a huge network, it's so underrated because people do not realize the access that you have on Twitter, the ability to connect with anybody yeah. um, and really and and to be the first to get news and and there's just it's really you have a tremendous advantage by being an active Twitter user I think I agree yeah so Twitter you're using to consume Facebook you're using to connect with your family and people who you don't see all the time right yeah Instagram too sharing are you sharing fi- and it's Instagram pictures? too yep sharing yep. pictures and me too that's my kiddo network that shows all the kids yeah, and that's and that's where I've seen my my teenagers have gone. Just they're really just on Instagram and Twitter now. They're they I really know. don't like Facebook. Isn't that amazing? Isn't <laughs> it just so amazing to see that Facebook is just entirely passe? But then I every time I say say that, and every time I think like, okay, teens are leaving Facebook. I think, oh right, but Facebook owns Instagram, so they they just they constantly I innovate. I think it's they're very very fascinating company. Um, to look at in general, I I think it's been very interesting. Oh, I wonder if that for customer care for you. So the the um the news feed decline, um, the the switch for brands and and really looking at the organic reach declining. Have you seen fewer um, customer service related inquiries on Facebook because people are not seeing as many of the push messages? We have not, not not for us anyway. Um, I. You know, there. I believe maybe from a marketing perspective, um, there might be you know a few things I've seen. But from a customer service perspective, we you know our volume has remained the same. You know, if not increased. Wow, that's great. So that must mean that your messages are getting out there too, or either that, or people really, really want a place to go <laughs> to say when their phone's not working. <laughs> Probably a combination. I mean, yeah, if you think about it, I mean, AT&T products are, you know, products that people use every day. And if, right. if, if you have a question or something's not working, it's definitely urgent. Well, it's kind of their lifeblood, right? I mean, it if you is. think about it, the, the world is so addicted to their phones. If it's not working, it's pretty, pretty severe. Exactly. <laughs> so no wonder you're not declining that. That, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. So, okay. So you're, and you're using Instagram for yourself. Oh, and Pinterest. What are you using Pinterest for? So Pinterest, um, Personally, I use it just for, you know, finding all kinds of different information like recipes or, you know, workouts, yep. what, you, you name it, all of that. Yep. And, and we do use Pinterest um, at, at AT&T as well. And um, we do monitor in case there's any customer service questions. But thank goodness that that channel so far, there really hasn't been any as much customer yeah. service related. I, can, I can't imagine that that... that channel will ever really be a strong customer service channel, but it's certainly a very fun channel. My husband likes to joke that our entire backyard patio is due to Pinterest <laughs> because I was playing around and looking at it, and the next thing you know, I had to have a pergola. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it is. It's great. It's addicting. It is. It is really, really addictive. It's true. It totally is. So talking about, you know, we have a lot of listeners who are starting out in their careers or are really interested in getting into the social field. Um, just looking at your career and how you've grown, what advice would you have for young women who are about to get into the social media field or about to really understand, you know, take this leap into social? What advice would you have for them? So 
I would I would tell them, you know, it's I think it's a great field and it's very interesting. Um, and it I think the first thing is making sure that you know it's something that they're flexible. There's uh, things are changing so quickly, um, as well as it's you know making sure that they're they're looking at and paying attention to what changes you know need to be made because and not getting too comfortable in the way that they're possibly, you know, doing anything or, um, you know, the platform that they're currently working on because things can change very quickly. And you have to be, you know, looking to see, well, you know, what are we going to do to handle, you know, this differently? And I, you know, it's going into the social media field, especially social media customer service, I think that there's just so much room for opportunity and, if they go into it, you know, open-minded and as well as really looking at, you know, what can I do in order to, you know, make a difference here for, for my company and focusing in on, because you can especially do this through social, those, you know, what are some of those key things that are driving the customers to, you know, be dissatisfied and making those connections and that alignment with the proper people in the company to get that, you know, get that noticed and, and get changes made in order for, you know, it, whether it be a policy change or something that needs to be fixed. But I think sitting in social media is a, a prime area where you're seeing it, you're seeing it in writing, and you're seeing it before anybody else. And I think it's important that, you know, anybody who goes into that, they understand that and they have the right um, channels and communication in place to really use that because it's, it's powerful knowledge. Absolutely. And I think I think some of the key pieces you tapped into there are just the ability to be adaptable and the ability to want to be a problem solver. I mean, yes. that, that's what I, I hear as key. Can you share with us, you know, maybe one of your best career decisions that you made or, or anything that you, you're really proud of that you've done in your career that you feel like could help educate some of these young women that are looking to get into this type of career? So I think, I mean, really going, you know, into the, the social, um, the social media care role um, and driving is that there have been, you know, several different issues and items that have been identified by my team that, you know, some of them have been really big and some of them have been small, but um, I, and driving, having what we, we call it driving change back into the business. And I think that area of, you know, when I went into social media customer service, it, that was, that's one part of the areas I'm, you know, very proud of. And we continue to grow the program, and now we're trying to roll it out into other areas of the company. And just, you know, as I hire people, you know, I am instilling that in them and making sure that they're helping the customer, but they're also looking at, you know, what, what caused them to go to our Facebook wall? What caused them to post on Twitter to begin with? And is it something that we can possibly, you know, make a change to and hopefully prevent it from happening to somebody else? Molly, you know what I love that you're, you've talked about a few times that I just kind of put together in listening to you is that you're, you're very interested in the why. You know, why is the customer having this issue? Why, you know, why when we, when we make an action, like why is this happening? What caused it and how? And I think 
really that is so key in what you're talking about is getting to the root of an issue so that you understand and, and that it doesn't happen again or that you can fix something. You know, I think that's really great is, is looking at the why. And I think I, I've heard that in a few of your stories that you've yeah. done today. I think that's great. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's, I mean, I think part of it, part of from coming, you know, from customer service rep on up, I, you know, and being with the company so long, of course, I have a lot of connections, but and that's definitely helped, and I know, you know, the, the right people to go to, but we also have, you know, it's, it's instilled in my leadership, too, and it's something that they really want to grow. And um, it's, you know, I think we can, you know, really make some great changes and, and see some great impacts to, you know, customer experience and customer satisfaction. I love it. I love it. Any um, career mistake you've ever made or anything you want to share um, that, might be able to like an oopsie that you've made in your career that that perhaps people could relate to or understand something that and how it worked out for you. Any any stories to share around that? Um, I guess around and, and this is would also be social media. It it wasn't really a mistake, but it was just um, as everything was growing and there were changes being made. Um, you know, some it was when we were going to you know our more decentralized model. What was hard is it was I you know I had a lot of different team members that were impacted by it, and nobody was losing their job or anything. But it was just it was a lot of change all at once. Mm-hmm. And um, I you know at I think if I would have accepted that okay this change in the long run is going to be you know better uh, for everybody, it probably would have made it a lot easier on me. I think I was so you know just try to be protective of my team and uh, the customers. Yeah. <laughs> but in the long run, it turned out, you know, it was like as soon as I accepted and I realized, I'm like, okay, this is really, it's going to be good. And it, and it really has been. So. Oh, that's wonderful. So it's sometimes just accepting that change is happening. That's in yep. social all the time. Think about it. You have to accept when a newsfeed algorithm changes or a network doesn't work out the way it's supposed to or any of those different things. You know, you really have to be very adaptable. So it's, it sounds like that's a key lesson throughout. Exactly. And not, you know, not take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Molly. And thank you so much for coming on today. I've enjoyed having you as a guest. And I, I think what AT&T is doing is really amazing. And you guys have been really ahead of your time in terms of social customer care. And, and I look forward to watching you guys grow. And I can't wait to hear when you're 24-7. I'm looking hey. forward to that announcement. Yes, we're excited, too. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Molly. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerfin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerfin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com.